Hi, folks. Keith Jones here. You're fixing to listen to Front Row Knowles on the podcast. But before we get started, we want to thank the Champions Club and specifically Seminole Boosters for sponsoring our podcast that allows us to bring the podcast to you commercial-free. You know, we are one tribe. We are unconquered. In the last uh, few years, Florida State has built a tradition of excellence. But right now, all of us that are Seminoles are facing a challenge. We've got 20 sports programs, all the coaches, student athletes that are involved. We've got some budget cuts that we're trying to uh, work through due to the pandemic. And right now, we need you. In order to provide all of our teams and student athletes with the best possible opportunity for success, we need your help. We need you to join Seminole Boosters. We need you to renew your membership. We need you to increase your contribution. We need you to consider making a gift. We don't talk heavy-handed like this much, but this is the time to be a little heavy-handed. Help us out. Help Florida State out. Help Florida State boosters out. And most of all, we want to continue to thank the boosters and specifically the Champions Club for sponsoring us and bringing Front Row Knowles to you. Stay tuned and listen. Thanks. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you. This is Front Row Knowles. Keith, how are you, sir? I am doing well, Tommy, doing well. It is Inauguration Day. We don't talk about politics, but uh, we certainly uh, are living in a world between the pandemic and the election and uh, whatever we're going to do with sports that it's become very, very interesting, has it not? It certainly has. Uh, We all know that from the the course of the last year. And and you're right, we we don't stray in those waters per se, but the waters we do dive into, Keith, typically start with FSU football and often almost every show, the way the team plays, we apologize to Leonard and Stan and CY and others because we talk about football and not basketball. So today we're going to do the opposite. Let's talk about basketball. Now I was out of town for a couple of days over the weekend and I did I was spending some time with the family. I did not watch the Louisville game live, but I'm going to be candid here. And this is an apology for me. I really thought, well, they got NC State and they got North Carolina. It's a short turnaround. They don't have all their parts and pieces. May not be a great result, so I'm not going to rearrange the Block family plans to make sure that I'm watching this game live. And then lo and behold, if they didn't go out and just absolutely dominate and dunk on the Cardinals again. If you had talked uh, five years ago or ten years ago about Florida State playing NC State, which they were basically break even with most of the time that FSU's been in the uh, in the ACC, although FSU has a horrible time winning up there. But you'd beat NC State, and then you'd follow that up with a win, a decisive win over North Carolina. And then you'd follow that up with a more decisive win over Louisville. Five or ten years ago, that would be all we were talking about. But because of the way things are different now, we don't appreciate, and we should, our fans need to appreciate, our listeners need to appreciate that Leonard and this group is continuing to put together some really, really good streaks. I know they stubbed their toe against UCF earlier, and they let one get away from them at Clemson. Clemson's uh, now become the, the bugaboo uh, over the last couple of years. But these last three games, two in particular against the, the Tar Heels and the Cardinals, 
you can't ask for much more. And, and unfortunately, we still just don't appreciate it like we, I think we should. Not just us and our fans, Keith. How about the national media? I mean, let's just drop FSU out of the top 25. And this is – the disrespect card plays well for Leonard and the New Bloods versus the Blue Bloods. There's no question about that. But at some point, we have to acknowledge and recognize that this is what Florida State is. Florida State is not an on-the-bubble basketball program. It's a top third, top two in the ACC basketball program right now. It's just not perceived that way nationally, still. Agreed. I mean, this is a program that uh, over the last little while and going forward, you would be comfortable in saying, you know, they're going to make the tournament, A. B, they may be uh, as high as a six seed or an eight seed consistently. Of course, last year they would have been a two seed. And again, go back 10 years, those were not things that we were comfortable saying. Uh, and today, that is the reality of the FSU men's program. It's been fun. The news that made headlines earlier this week was that this is the first week since I, when when you and I both had full heads of hair, at least, that North Carolina and Duke are not in the top 25. It's, it's back even further if you throw in Kentucky. And there's, you know, most of those weeks – those programs have deserved to be in the top 25. But there's a lot of weeks where they didn't deserve to be in the top 25 and they got the benefit of the doubt because they're a blue blood. So now how does that relate to what's going on right now with FSU? Well, because those teams are not highly thought of, the perception is the league is down. Florida State's not in the top 25 because they lost to Clemson. Well, who's Clemson? They're not a blue blood, even though Clemson's been pretty good this year. And I know they got waxed their last time out. So it all, it all is related that if, if Duke and Carolina are not at the top of the ACC, the national perception is going to be that the league's not strong. When in reality, Virginia, who's a bit of a new blood, I mean, I know they had the Ralph Sampson days, and then FSU, they're the better programs right now. And Virginia is uh, a national champion in the last short period of time. They're the defending yeah, champs still. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, 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 yes, that is correct. That is correct. Uh, uh, technically correct. You know, that's the thing that's great about sports and in particular college sports. And fortunately, hopefully moving forward permanently, we're back to talking about on the court and fussing about the polls and uh, where the seedings are going to be and looking forward to what game's going to be on at what time at what night. Uh, and that's where sports and college sports in particular need to be, in my opinion. So we will talk about basketball today. Raquan Evans is going to join us a little bit later in the program. He has been the starting point guard for the last few games, and that's worked out rather well, I'd say, uh, as have the results across the board for Florida State. Then Bob Frante, our Osceola insider, will join us. On the football front, the biggest news that's happened over the last week or so is that many of the transfers who've come in from the portal have been made available to the media. And so we'll get his thoughts and impressions on what he saw and heard as it was last week a couple met the media, and earlier this week uh, several more did. But we'll talk general FSU athletics. Before we, before we bring on Raekwon in our next segment, though, Keith, let's, just, let's go outside of our Florida State walls a little bit and talk NFL. You know by marriage I'm a Saints fan, so I'll just own that. I didn't grow up a Saints fan, but my wife grew up diehard New Orleanian. And it's tough to express, and I've watched it all unfold. Literally, uh, my marriage has coincided with Drew Brees' entire career in New Orleans. So I've seen the whole rebuilding after Katrina to where we are now, which is I can throw the football further down the field than he can. 
but he's he's been tremendous. And then you have Tom Brady, who looks like he's 24, uh, even though he's 43. But to watch two Hall of Famers play, it wasn't the greatest game in the world. I mean, there were lead changes, but it wasn't like a passing display. Uh, we we could we could certainly take for granted the greatness that's been out on that field at the quarterback position. There'll be another great matchup this week with Aaron Rodgers against Tom Brady. The thing that impressed me, Tommy, as I was watching the tail end of the Tampa Bay New Orleans game, is they were very the the, the network uh, was very um, straightforward and very concise about wanting to get the conversation between Brady and and Breeze after the game. And so as soon as the game was over, they greeted each other and, you know, they talked about congratulations, whatever. And then they talked about, we'll be in touch. We'll be in touch. I'll call you. You call me. We'll be in touch. And that's the part you don't get to see. You see it more with Breeze than you do with Brady, but the human part of it. And then sometime after that, 30 minutes, an hour after that, uh, they were on the field together in street clothes and Breeze's kids were out there and Tom Brady threw a pass to one of Drew Brees' sons in the end zone, and he caught it. And Brady says, man, we could have used you today. And that's the part. We know about the on-the-field part, but the off-the-field part, and as you've alluded to, the things that, that Brees and his wife have done and what they've meant to the New Orleans community and to that franchise, we lose. And now we hear that Philip Rivers is retiring. Obviously, Brees is alleged to be retiring. Brady's going to travel to the frozen tundra to take on Aaron Rodgers, who's at the twilight of his career. Well, those four guys right there are the top five, six passers all time in the history of the NFL. And at our ages, our middle age, in my case, the old age, we got to see their entire career. And some of it is coming to the end and it's a pretty special time at the NFL level as it relates to quarterbacks. It is. It is. And I'm optimistic. I'm not a Bucks fan. So I mentioned the Saints. I grew up a Dolphins fan. Uh, ironically, I was at Dan Marino's last game when Jacksonville beat him 1,000 to 7, and it was awful to watch. And Breeze's last game was not great to watch either. But that ultimately, that's not what you'll remember about those two. Um, I'm not anti-Bucks, but I'm, uh, for our good friend Gene Deckerhoff, I hope that the Bucks can somehow get a win so that he can call another Super Bowl. Uh, Agreed. Fun for him. And since it's in Tampa, he wouldn't have to worry about whether he travels or not. He's been going to Tampa to call every game. So he would be there for that one. I am curious, and I don't know the answer to this. Maybe we'll have our buddy Mike Neighbors on who covers the Saints, but but lives in Tampa. And so he knows the Bucs as well. I wonder what the future for Jameis Winston is going to be because he went and signed with the Saints, took less dollars to kind of rehab his image. But then when the opportunity arose, Sean Payton didn't play Winston. He played Taysom Hill. And so Jameis is a free agent, and maybe the Saints would say, hey, we want to resign you, and our, you're our guy. But I don't think that's where that's going to land. To me, it feels like he's going to have to go somewhere else. And there's, there's opportunities out there and sign a two-year contract for 10 or 15 mil, whatever it is, and prove himself still. What do you think? Well, Peyton, Coach Peyton has said that he wants him back. At least that's the impression that you've gotten, again, talking about Winston. But they paid Hill the money uh, last year. And as you mentioned, when the opportunity presented itself, I'm curious to think at least the perception of the fans and whatever degree of influence that would have on what the Saints are doing. The fact that, that J- Jameis came in and threw the longest touchdown pass of the year 
for the Saints in that little trick play. And you know how fans are, and I don't know how much the uh, management of the Saints listen to them or how much Sean Payton listens to them, but that only is going to fuel that part of the argument. And so it's going to be interesting, no question. Oh, Keith, you and I could have made that throw, though. Well, I might not have been able to throw it that far, but he was that open. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. And, and also, that was a fail by the Bucs to not immediately call timeout as soon as Jameis was on the field as a receiver. I mean, just take the timeout. You know what's coming. Um, yeah, I don't know. Jameis is only 27. I mean, it feels like he's 35. I mean, Phillip Rivers is, what, 37? I mean, Jameis has another 10 years conservatively if he stays healthy and if he wants to be Brady he's got another decade and a half he could still play in the league I mean that's crazy if he if here's the question with Jameis uh, has the Bronco been bucked because if you think about Breeze for sure Brady Peyton Manning used to do it if the play isn't there they swallow the football Breeze throws it into the ground Manning used to curl up in the fetal position Brady just goes down and gets sacked we still don't know if Jameis has learned that or if he's still going to stand in the pocket and force the ball, which is what got, has gotten him into trouble his whole career. One of the reasons, and it's been well documented, that he went to the Saints was to play under Peyton and to play under and with Breeze. I would be willing to bet you there's been a lot of lessons learned by watching Drew Breeze on tape and sitting in a room with him and in that quarterback segment room and asking I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if Jameis isn't more protective of the football when he gets an opportunity as a starter. Obviously, you'll never know until it happens. But uh, that progression, I think, is going to be made and that step is going to be taken. That's the million-dollar or the multi-million-dollar question as we move forward. Hey, we got to step aside. I'll remind you, Top Golf Live is bringing its experience to Doe Campbell Stadium February 11th through 14th. Uh, it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience if you're a golf guy. Uh, or woman for that matter, and you want to hit some golf balls in Doak, that's what your opportunity will be. There's music, food, beverage options. Uh, also, separate little bays, if you will, uh, for the COVID concerns, obviously, so you can be socially distanced other than uh, from those you're, you're attending with. Special safety protocols in place. It's Top Golf Live mid-February. Uh, tickets available now, topgolflive.com or seminalexperience.com, and we'll talk more about that as it draws closer on the calendar. Front Row Knowles just getting warmed up. Back to FSU basketball right after this. Stay with us. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom and KJ back with you. We told you we were going to talk Florida State basketball. Uh, long overdue for us to give the program its due so far this season because we get swallowed up with football. But one of the stars and key players the last couple of years, but particularly the last couple of weeks, is the point guard, Evans, who joins us now. Raekwon, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you doing? We're doing well. So you come into Florida State. You uh, Well, I guess before we talk about your individual success here, it's not too long ago, maybe three and a half weeks ago, you guys go to Clemson, you have a lead, and and things don't work out in the end, and they get the victory. And then all of a sudden, you get three games postponed. You guys can't practice as a team for a couple of weeks. But you, but you come back, 
and all you do is play one of the best games in program history against NC State. You follow it up with a win against Carolina, and then you go and thump Louisville on the road. So a very simple question is a starting point. What changed? Um, I think the biggest thing that changed for us is our mentality and, um, you know, our attention to detail. You know, Coach always emphasizes in practice that the little details matter, and I think that um, we kind of got away from that. So, you know, after losing that Clemson game, you know, towards the second half, they were just, you know, paying attention to their details more than us. So during our break, you know, we came together as a team, discussed that after this break that there needs to be some changes made and that when we go into practice every day, we're going to just focus on playing hard and focusing on the details. And that's what we've been doing ever since. Rick, one, a lot of you guys are still very young. You've got the veterans and MJ and Turk, et cetera. Uh, and you look at young people and youngsters in the program and say they ought to improve the quickest, but if you can't get on the court, how difficult has it been to work together to get better? Yeah, um, it, it was difficult for a little bit, you know, but um, I think that just comes with preparation. You know, for, the, for our new guys, this is a lot of new stuff they're coming into. You know, the way Florida State uh, prides themselves on defense and how Coach Ham and our coaching staff you know, really take pride on every little detail and how there's a lot of details within our defense, within our offense. It can be a lot for our new guys, but, um, you know, they're trusting the process because we didn't have, um, you know, we didn't have training camp in the summer. We didn't have some exhibition games to kind of get um, them uh, going a little bit. But I think the more that we kind of get thrown into the fire, the more they're learning quicker and the more they're understanding the urgency. So it has been a difficult um, task, but I feel like that they're doing a better job of picking up on things. You're talking about, uh, a, a, you know, learning and comfort and also an attitude adjustment a little bit since that Clemson game. But I'm curious, at, at the time that you guys couldn't practice, and I don't know how many days that is, you couldn't practice as a team, that, that left alone time where, in my mind, I'm visualizing that, well, if I'm Raekwon, I can go shoot free throws and three-pointers or whoever it is. I mean, and, and then you look at what's happened since then, the way you guys have shot the ball. Is that is there, is there any magic in that? Is that what you guys were able to do for that eight or 10 day period is just shoot individually and shoot some more? Um, no, we were not actually, we, we weren't able to leave, you know, we didn't have gym access because we had to be quarantined, but, and with our games being canceled, but I mean, I think it just came with, uh, just paying attention to details. Like I said, details go down to the littlest thing. So the times we were getting back into the gym, those couple of days we got to practice, everybody was focusing on footwork and release points for their shots you know, just the little details. And we have a bunch of great shooters, a lot of guys who can make, make shots. And I feel like once everybody kind of just paid attention to those details, um, everybody's been shooting the ball well. Um, we've been hitting on all cylinders. This has been helping us a lot. For our listeners that are uh, figures and numbers of people, uh, I'll brag on Raekwon a little bit. He leads the team in three-point shooting. He's hitting 53.3% from beyond the arc. And he's 15 of 16 from the free throw line, 93.8%. Raekwon, I don't think I could make 15 free throws in 100, and you made 15 out of 16. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, we shoot a lot of free throws every day, and I kind of pride myself on my free throw ability ever since high school. Um, free throws have been a big part of my game, and I've been trying to do my best um, every year to try to be the best free throw shooter not only for myself, but for my team, you know, in key moments, whether I'm getting fouled or whatever it may be. So um, I just try to focus on my details as well. Uh, you know, make sure every shot looks the same, make sure my confidence is there and uh, it's going to fall. Let me ask you this. We're talking with Raekwon Evans. So 
Billings, Montana and Tallahassee, Florida are not exactly uh, that close and there's not direct flights. Last time I, I actually got on a plane at a Tallahassee's International Airport. So yeah. <laughs> in high school there and I know you went to, to North Idaho in between. How did how did you land at Florida State? Um, my coaches are Coach Ham reached out to my junior college coaches and um, they kind of just hit me with the news one day. Um, I got called in. I got called early in the morning. And um, my assistant coach from my junior college just told me that Florida State was interested. And he asked me if I was interested. And I said, of course. And then um, next thing you know, I get a, co- a call from Coach Ham. And, uh, yeah, then, then the rest is history. That's how it happened. Was there any – I know that's where Brian Angola was from. Was there a connection there where Florida State knew about you from when they were recruiting him? Or do you even know Brian? I forget the overlap in terms of time frame. Yeah, um, so Brian was there, I think, two years before I got there. And um, I've actually got to meet him a couple times when I was out of my junior college. But I don't know if that had anything to do with it. I mean, um, when I committed to junior college, I knew that they sent a player to Florida State. And, you know, me um, having big dreams, I thought that would be a great opportunity for me to potentially be able to go to Florida State. And then it happened. So I don't don't know how it happened. I don't know what was said, but um, it worked out. Well, Florida State certainly glad that uh, that you landed in Tallahassee. So I'm curious, Keith and I were talking in the first segment, and and we have a longer history, haven't been around the program for a number of years, but you know the the sentiment, and and basically it's that Florida State gets dis- disrespected on an annual basis, and uh, and candidly we're guilty of it too sometimes, and and we shouldn't be with what Coach Ham and 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 Cy and Coach Stan have done, but when you when you go into this week and you're not in the top 25, after you were earlier, is is that is it a talking point? Is it a slap in the face? Does nobody even pay attention and you just worry about, you know, taking care of Florida state, but how does that factor in at all? Um, I think, um, you know, we do a great job as players and the coaching staff of um, just focusing on what's whatever task is in front of us. Um, you know, we, we were aware that we weren't ranked in the top 25, but I mean, we obviously that's going to put a chip on your shoulder, but you know, we just want to take it one game at a time. Cause at the end of the day, you know, we want to win a championship, and that's every team's goal. So whether we're ranked or not, we just want to continue to keep winning games, keep getting better as a program. So at the end of the year, you know, we have the chance to compete for a championship. Rayquan, one of the guys that came in with you, and, and you guys will have uh, some more time ahead, is uh, Balsha. I've been really impressed with his development uh, from last year to this year. When you're bringing the ball up, when you're setting the motion, uh, it's got to be comforting to know that, that the big guy in there, you can get the ball to him. He can create a shot. He's averaging what nine points a ball game, plus or minus. And uh, I've really yes, been sir. impressed with his play. Talk about uh, Balsha a little bit. Um, Balsha's been doing a great job. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that works hard day in and day out. Um, he always wants to be, you know, better for himself, but also for the team. So, you know, being able to have him as an outlet is great. You know, if things aren't going. Um, how we want them to go out on the perimeter. We know we have somebody we can rely on in the paint, you know, with him being so um, athletic, um, you know, he's gotten a lot quicker. He has a good handle. So, you know, he's somebody that we really look uh, to go to a lot of the times. And Coach Ham is always, um, you know, stressing that we need to put the ball in the paint to look for him. And when we give him the ball, we just kind of let him do his thing. And he's been producing a lot for us. I want to, dive a little deeper uh, personally with you, I guess, in terms of your heritage. 
which I didn't even realize this. I think when you arrived at FSU, it's only in the last month or two that I became aware of your Native American heritage and that you're a member of the Crow tribe. Uh, Can you just tell us a little bit more about that? And I know that's a very broad-based question, but I'm not familiar with the. And then the second part of that is, and it it may not have factored into your decision at all, but you happen to come to an institution that is named after, you know, the, the Seminoles. And uh, I'm wondering how that played in at all or how it plays in day to day for you. Yeah, so, um, you know, my heritage is something that means a lot to me. Um, My mother's side of the family is um, all Native American. They all live back home in Montana. So um, when I'm back home, I get to go to the reservation and see my family. You know, I spend a lot of time down there. And it's something that means a lot to me because um, a lot of who I am today is because of my heritage. My faith is based off of it, the things that I choose to value. Um, you know, relationships, family, and it just uh, happened to be that Florida State uh, Seminoles, you know, um, is very involved in the Native American heritage. And I didn't really know as much about it until I got here because I didn't, um, I didn't really think personally that, you know, this, the uh, school didn't take it as serious. But then when I seen that we have jerseys dedicated to, you know, Native American awareness and things like that. Um, it just it just felt great that I could be myself and I could share my heritage with uh, my teammates, my coaches, and it's just a great feeling. Rayquan, forgive me, I should know the answer to this, but have y'all worn the uh, N7 turquoise uniforms yet this year? Have we worn them? Have you worn them yet this year? Yes, we wore them one time. What, what was that like? I mean, did you spend any real time thinking about it? I, that had to be kind of a unique experience for you. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. I, I love those jerseys. Um, you know, just everything um, about it, what it represents. You know, all my family back home, they love when we get to wear them. And uh, it's just a great feeling to put on that jersey, especially the blue one. Those are probably my favorite uh, jerseys. Very cool. Well, let's let's bring it back on the court now. I was looking at this, and mm-hmm. you can check my math on this, but uh, I think you went 56-10 and 10 in North Idaho. Last year, FSU went 26-5, and five, and now they're 8-2. and two. So that's 90 and 17 over the last four years for you, which is 84%. So on the one hand, you could say, well, you're going to good established winning programs. But on the other hand, I would ask you, there's, there's something about your mentality. There has to be about, I'm not going to let this team lose, or I'm going to do my part to not let this team lose. Is that a fair characterization of, of kind of your attitude and your mindset? Uh, yes, sir. Um, you know, from high school, I've been playing, I got to play, um, you know, with a program that uh, also was disrespected and in junior college was a little disrespected. So I feel like I developed that chip on my shoulder early that I'm just going to play my role, you know, give it 100%, do the best that I can to try to get um, the team to win. And I've had that mentality since high school. The programs, you know, the co- my coaches always have that mentality. My high school coach had the same mentality. My junior college coach had the same mentality. And these coaches here have the same exact mentality. So um, you know, I've been comfortable the past couple of years with just accepting my roles and just trying to play hard. And I try to bring that uh, to this uh, well, this university, and I feel like it's been helping a lot. So Clemson, you get them again this week, and I feel like finally the schedule slows down a little bit. I mean, you played three games in six days after being on quarantine, so it's a more normal lead-up. What do you have to mm-hmm. do to, to – and, and maybe you're not even looking at it as avenge the loss, but what do you have to do to have success against Clemson on Saturday? Um, you know, we got to, they have great ball handlers. They got great size. You know, they're very athletic. So we're going to have to contain the dribble. You know, we're going to have to win the rebounding battle. They do a great job of rebounding. 
they do a great job of rebounding and pushing the ball. You know, Amir Sims, um, those guys, Dawes, they all are uh, very talented. So I feel like we just got to, you know, focus on our details, containing the dribble, rebound, and we just got to give it um, all the effort we have and hopefully we come out victorious. So let me ask you this. We'll let you go on this. We always hear, uh, you know, I think of the shooters on the team, and, and you're one of them. And then there's Nate Jack. And, I mean, I just think back to last Wednesday's game. And then Wyatt Wilkes. So so how often after practice do you guys actually have the three-point shooting contest? And what do we need to know uh, about who legitimately is the best shooter on this team? Oh, um, I mean, we, we do a lot of competitions with, uh, you know, with each other. Everybody always wants to compete against each other. So we'll just do little shooting contests. Um, you know, everybody – gets a chance at winning I mean it's not the same person winning every time so I think it's hard to say because we have a lot of great shooters you know Nate Jack MJ Walker um Wyatt Wilkes you know we have a lot of great shooters so I think that's kind of hard to say who's the best shooter but um yeah that's kind of a tough one well Well, when he hears this when he hears this uh you're gonna have to answer to polite because he said he's gonna tell you you didn't include him in that list (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, I can't, yeah, Anthony Polite as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and and I didn't include either Polite or MJ Walker, so shame on me, Keith. That's a big omission. <laughs> Congratulations! Oh. <laughs> it, it, it's it's fun to watch you guys play ball, and uh, especially the way everybody embraces the team over the individual, which really is what Coach Hamilton's program has been about. The way you guys don't play as many, mm-hmm. minutes, but you damn sure play hard every minute you are on the court. And uh, for myself and and for Keith and for FSU fans, it it really is fun to watch your program, uh, you know, play ball and succeed. Congratulations to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Raekwon Evans from the Florida State basketball team. We'll step aside, come back and react to that. This is Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by the Osceola, dedicated to FSU sports and fan experiences. Sign up for a free trial at theosceola.com or call 833-FSU-NEWS. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. We reopen the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. That's how uh, Raekwon Evans joined us last segment. It's how Bob Frante, our Osceola insider, joins us right now. How are you, Bob? Doing well. How are you guys? Doing great. You know, we just had Raekwon on, and, and Keith and I have dedicated today's show to basketball because, frankly, we, we disregard basketball more than – disregard is too strong a word, but we don't give it its proper due because we're talking so much football. So let's just dive into basketball. I mean, have you ever seen anything like a week ago and what they did to NC State before we even get to the two subsequent games? I mean, that was surreal. I had no idea what to expect from a conditioning standpoint. How rusty would they be? You know, how would they just look and function and feel? And and were a lot of those questions that you had at the break, uh, free throw shooting, defense, rebounding, all those things, how, how were they going to look against NC State? So, yeah, it was – that was a really impressive win to start off uh, the return of the court. I, I just asked Raekwon, and naively, I guess, on my behalf, I assumed when they were in quarantine and couldn't practice as a team that they could still get into the facility and shoot free throws and be socially distanced. But he said, no, they didn't do any of that. So that shooting barrage is more a fresh legs thing. It's not because they were out there practicing individually. That blows my mind even more. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think it was about a week that they were out of the basketball training center and, and civic center for practice. So I think maybe that underscores what we've seen these last three games even more. It makes it um, maybe more memorable to um, to us coming off a break in a pandemic under these circumstances. I, I think I'll, I'll put an asterisk by this of the regular season. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but is this as impressive of a three-game stretch in a regular season that we've seen from, from this, this program, I'm just coming off all the circumstances. To... Well, it's probably on the short list, but there was one, I forget how many years ago when they played five ranked teams in a row and they beat four of them or something like early January. Was that, was that with Isaac or the next year? I don't, I don't remember. It runs together, but it was like the first three weeks of January, they went four and one against all ranked teams. But yeah, I'm in agreement. I mean, the the other asterisk is none of these three wins are over ranked teams because Louisville fell out Monday afternoon before that game. So you you can say, well, Louisville was missing pieces and NC State was missing pieces and Carolina is not a Final Four type of Carolina. I I just felt like from from a shooting percentage standpoint, statistically looked great. From a how exciting and how fun the games were. It was all there. I think the answers to a lot of our questions, again, from – I had a big question. This was a sub-70% free-throw shooting team before um, this, this two-week break. And now all of a sudden they're, they're drilling 90% plus. Um, you know, rebounding against North Carolina, a dominant North Carolina rebounding team. Florida State held its own. Um, gave up some offensive boards, but that's what Carolina is going to do. They're going to get some. To go up to Louisville on short rest – you know, all the starters contributed. Yes, MJ Walker was off, but contributed rebounds and assists. You got great bench play. We had questions about this bench going to the break too. Did they have guys who could step up? And even without Anthony Polite, the the team just top to bottom seemed like Coach Hamilton found the right rotations, made the right moves, and, and the players were very productive in their time on the court. Two things impressed me, guys. One was the conditioning because – you know, I, I don't I didn't play basketball at the at the high school or college level, but I've always been told that you get out of basketball shape much quicker than you get out of football shape just because of the nature of it. I talked to our good friend Gene Deckerhoff after the NC State game, and he pointed out something else that you wouldn't think about unless you played the game, and that's your feet. When when you don't play, you're not on the hardwood, your feet get softer. And he was worried about blisters and abrasions and, and those types of things. And we haven't seen any of that either. And that sounds silly and trite, but it nevertheless is part of basketball. And uh, they, haven't, they haven't fallen to any of those eels uh, after that layoff. And I think what also makes it impressive, what you're saying is this is a team that expends itself on both ends of the court, offense and defense. And Coach Hamilton demands a lot. It's not a um, very, let's call it a Virginia type of game where it's delivered on the offensive half court. Um, it's not a, a system where defense is, is an afterthought. Defense is number one on Hamilton's priorities. He's going to expect that every minute you play is, is high quality, high energy. And so I think there were times where, you know, guys were playing 30 minutes. Um, Raekwon Gray is another great example. You can really tell how he has slimmed down, dropped some weight. He's been able to play not just the minutes that were required, 
but the minutes at an extremely high level, you know, late in that game against Carolina, he had that steal um, that, that halted a, a possession in a really tight game. And we looked at it and we say, well, it was a seven point win over Carolina. Well, it was really tight in those last couple of minutes. And I think that conditioning just really, the guys were prepared for what was facing them. Next up is Clemson, and they're sort of the opposite side of the coin from Florida State. After their pause, they came back and got drilled by Virginia by 35. Now Clemson plays Georgia Tech tonight. Uh, it would seem that, uh, A, given the fact that Florida State's going to have 48 hours further rest and prep time for Clemson, and B, just the fact that FSU's maybe training the right direction and Clemson maybe not, that, that Saturday would be another opportunity for Florida State to avenge a loss and, and keep this little role going. Would you agree? I, I think so. I think we, we can see certain rivalries here in the conference. You know, obviously Miami's there, of course, but look at the emotion of these Florida State Louisville games through the past years. Every dunk has been not just a dunk, but an emphatic one, kind of a in-your-face, I can do this. We saw Louisville do it a little bit on Monday, and the Florida State guys were wanting to put it back in, in their faces on Monday. And I think – Clemson is a bit of a rivalry too. It's not that kind of well-known high notoriety one within the conference, but it, it's definitely very competitive. And Florida State's had the best of Clemson, I would say, you know, over these last, um, what, 10, 20 years with Coach Hamilton. But yeah, that's, that's not going to, to sit well with Florida State players. I think, you know, a couple of them remarked to us in interviews that, you know, yes, they had the two-week break, but it was kind of a salty feeling coming off that Clemson loss that that was in the back of their heads and, and helping to motivate them. So, yeah, I think we're going to see a rested but a, a pretty fired-up Florida State team on Saturday. I, I think you're going to see a very fired-up team because while Florida State has had success against Clemson long-term, remember they lost to them last year. And the biggest disappointment – at the ACC tournament when that game was called off, because at that particular instant, you still thought there would be an NCAA tournament. Okay. That had not been officially scratched. The biggest disappointment with those kids is they didn't get to play Clemson and Greensboro at noon on that Friday. They, they didn't like it. And for them to lose again and then have the opportunity this weekend, I think it's going to be a very uh, emotional, uh, Payback, Coach Hamilton doesn't like to talk about payback and revenge, uh, so we won't talk that aspect, but they want to go out and play better and beat Clemson in a big way, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think Coach Hamilton would like to say that each game is, is in a vacuum and it's separate, but I think we all know the players show otherwise sometimes in their emotions on the court and even in their candor and in interviews. This one will have some, some definite energy and emotion to it. I'm just happy we're talking about Clemson, Florida State, and we don't have to mention the word Dabo in so doing. So with that, let's segue to football. Uh, Bob, what's transpired the last uh, week or 10 days, uh, I guess, is, is not necessarily new guys committing, but the guys that committed and, and transferred in and are already at Florida State via the portal have, have had a chance to meet with the media, and kudos to Florida State for getting them out there in, in front of the media and letting them tell their stories. Uh, I did not get a chance to – to catch up yet on the guys that spoke this week, but I did watch uh, Mackenzie Milton speak as well as uh, the transfer from Georgia last week. And I, I was just, and Keith said this earlier, I don't remember if it was on air or off, but you know, they're older guys, so they're more polished, but I would, they were very impressive just cutting to the quick. And I'm sure that probably continued in the conversations that, that happened this week. 
Yeah, I think that storyline is is continuing. These are guys who are more mature. Coach Norvell thinks that they're leaders. I think that was an interesting conversation that um, you know Jermaine Johnson from Georgia said it was it was not just here's who Florida State lost and and here's what we need and here's what the depth chart is, but we we need character and we need leadership. We need guys who can come in and, and help us turn this around and win. And and that's what you're seeing. You're seeing guys with starting experience on so many games at, at the highest level at the SEC. So it, it, it has to help to bring these guys in. I, I think, you know, we will question until we see them on the field in September, are these all ACC caliber players? Are they productive as starters or backups? We won't know, but will we be able to see in the short term in the off season, are they guys who become leaders? Are they guys who kind of listen and talk to the experience that some of these younger guys have had through now multiple coaches and, and will they be able to share some of their experiences? I, I think, I think these guys are going to be really good for the long haul for this program, as far as just turning it around and helping Norvell mold it as he sees with, with the players that he thinks are going to help for the future. Guys, the next couple of three months every year, and this year in particular, because of what happened last year, but the next couple of three months are the most important developmental time for chemistry and leadership. Spring ball, very important for on the field. Fall camp, very important for on the field. Winter workout, seven on seven, very important for on the field. But you're not playing a game for the next two or three months. And you're doing things that are not football. You're doing things that are related to football, lifting, running, the, the uh, tour of duty. This is when leadership rises. And you'll find out that sometimes your Saturday players are not good leaders during this time. And sometimes you'll find out there's a little freshman or sophomore that didn't say much last year that rises to the top. And that'll be something also that the coaching staff, Coach Norvell and his folks will be looking very, very hard at. This is a very important time of the year for this Florida State program, in my opinion. And it's a time where Josh Storms can really put his stamp on a lot of the players and, and, and see who's, who's straining themselves and who's pushing themselves to be productive and to be leaders. And, you know, frankly, it's the chance that Storms and the staff didn't have last year when, when things were shut down March 12th. You know, he had done a little bit through offseason conditioning, but then he didn't have that hands-on time. And he talked with us about it and a couple of the other news outlets too that, you know, it's different when you are teaching and you're trying to find leaders and make connections with people over Zoom. It doesn't work the same. It's just not the same as, as you're, you're right there every day, every morning in the hallway, seeing guys at lunch and sitting down at a table and talking and building relationships. So they're getting that chance to do it now. And I, I think long term, we're going to see results on the field. It's you know, we, we won't see it as fans and media until truly September. But I think I think players and coaches and the strength staff will remark that there's they're going to see it through this offseason. Just having a spring is going to be huge for this program. Uh, By the way, Tommy, conversations already started that may be a way to reward some of the uh, uh, power five schools is to have them come to a super conference arena 
uh, a field rather, and play a spring game and charge admission and give the, give the smaller school a little bit of money for their budget. That conversation started, my friend. It started. Keith, that is a brilliant idea. I wish we would have thought of that and maybe <laughs> campaign for it over the last however many years we've been doing this show. I do think, you know, that you bring up that topic. And, and Jimbo, I think I floated that. I don't remember if we did or I did. I was in the in the room with him at one point, just kind of mentioned it, and he was very anti doing that. And as a head coach, you get judged on wins and losses. And so if you play an actual game in the spring and you lose, uh, that's one more judgment point. But that also, think of how that kills any buzz going into the season. So I don't know if we get right to games, Keith, or if we do more just – hey, bring in your team and we'll have the DBs and receivers over here and we'll have the linemen over here. And so you really can't have a cumulative score of who won and lost. Hey, our, our golfing fans would know there, there's a scoring system for golf. It doesn't come to me right now. I'm having a senior moment. But you could do it. Remember, we did that a couple of uh, spring games where you know touchdowns were worth this, but a turnover was right. worth that and a three and out was worth something else. Uh, maybe we could come up with a scoring system that even if you came up on the short end, it wouldn't look like a loss. I'm just saying that may be a coach's point of view. The counter to that would be you're making seven and a half million a year. So just coach the game, right? That would be the counter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's, that's good to know that that maybe that's coming down the, the, the pike here a little bit, Bob, I know the Osceola is going around all Florida state sports right now. And, you know, it's just been so odd this COVID year. A lot of programs didn't have their normal fall seasons. A lot of stuff got pushed to the spring. Then Florida State sent everybody home for a month, basically, or six weeks from Thanksgiving to after New Year's. But we are actually at the point where other sports are competing now. Softball's underway. Men's golf just won a big tournament yesterday. So what else are you working on right now? Yeah, it's good to see, you know, around the campus, all these sports are going to be active, I think, by March. But we're seeing them already. Like you said, golf. Uh, men's tennis just played on Sunday track and field was up at Clemson over the weekend we'll see softball soon you know baseball I think is starting in small groups and then and then later next week they'll have a full team practice so you know we're trying to get out there and do some previews to uh, you know just kind of inform people about who's back and and the good thing when you say who's back it's just about all the key pieces of a lot of teams and you look on the men's side you know John Pack is is back and Jamie Lee is back. This could be one of the best men's golf teams we've seen in in Florida State history. Uh, Women's golf has a loaded roster too. Women's soccer is going to play a spring season. No details on that yet, but it's going to be fun to see an ACC champion get out there, play some semblance of a schedule and then a postseason tournament. So when I was looking ahead to 21, I think the greatest thing is just we're going to find – almost every day on the calendar, there's going to be something going on in some sport. I know we're always focused on football, basketball, and, and baseball, but if you like whatever spring sport you like, there's going to be something going on throughout the spring. Women's basketball, by the way, they've really had a stop and start and stop and start again feel to their season. They they had a game canceled that was supposed to be tomorrow, yesterday morning at like 10, and by 11 they had rescheduled a new opponent. So that's uh, Clemson is coming into play. Uh, Brooke Wyckoff's team, Stu Semrau's team tomorrow night. Bob, uh, appreciate uh, all you do. Good to catch up, and we'll do it again next week. Take care, guys. All right, Bob. Insider Bob Ferranti, and we'll step aside, come back, and finish up Front Row Knowles right after this. 
Monroe Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. We are back on Front Row Knowles, a chance for Keith and I to react to what we listen to. Impressive conversation, or impressive uh, answers, impressive young man in Raekwon Evans. I enjoyed that conversation. And, uh, you know, Bob Ferrante, he's, he's somewhat impressive, but he's always in the know, so we do appreciate that. <laughs> we do love Bob, and we are learning very quickly how to learn how to love Raekwon. Uh, I personally uh, was not aware of his heritage. And so I found that very interesting. I hope I didn't put him off guard. And certainly I showed my ignorance and asked him about the, uh, the N7 uniforms, because that, uh, you know, that's something that coach Ham and the university uh, have been promoting for a decade or more now. And um, it's a little unusual to see that color when you're used to the garnet and gold or the black and the white, uh, but they're getting to be very well known uh, nationally and when Florida State wears those uh, turquoise uniforms, it's a very uh, bold statement uh, about Native Americans and, and the heritage there. It, it is. It is. You know, and one thing we didn't ask Raekwon about, if you think about it, Keith, he's sort of sandwiched between one of the, the best glue team guys, any program in Florida State history and Trent Forrest. Right. And then one of the most hyped guys at the same position in, in Scotty Barnes and, and Raekwon's kind of the guy in there. I think he's perceived he's just a bench guy, a role guy, but he can be more than that. And he's uh, you know, the way Leonard constructs his roster, the, the, whether you consider him the fifth guy, sixth guy, seventh, eighth, ninth, those guys are critically important ultimately to Florida state success, but he's, he's right in the middle of those two and they each cast big shadows. As fans and quote unquote members of the media, we put a lot of emphasis on who starts and obviously we've seen with uh, Kevin Gailey, we've seen with Patrick Williams, and maybe we're starting to see a little bit with Barnes, although he's been nicked up a little bit. And part of the reason why he may have not started in the last couple of outings, but the sixth man concept that Leonard is becoming known for. And um, it may be that, you know, in one scenario, uh, Raekwon becomes the starter and, and Scotty comes in off of the bench uh, and we would associate him with being the starter and not the sixth or seventh or eighth man. I, I'm not predicting that's going to happen, but certainly it has occurred the last couple of games, and it would I, it not would, be a far-fetched. It wouldn't surprise me at all if that's where Leonard went with this because it's worked, uh, you know, and he's, it's worked enough that he wouldn't be second-guessed or over-scrutinized too much for doing it with a guy as talented as Scotty Barnes. But I think part of it, this was the case with Kevin Gailey, it, it, you're, you're, you're almost too, in, uh, in his case, Fiondo was, was overhyped at the start of game. So you pick up a couple fouls. Next thing you know, you're at the 14-minute mark of the first half. You already have two fouls. Well, if you, if you, if you leave Scotty on the bench for the first four or five minutes, you can kind of ease into the game, still play him 25 or whatever it is, but, but maybe it balances out. I don't know if he'll go that way or not. Uh, he's proven to make it work, and that would, that would give Florida State a trifecta on the sixth man of the year award in the league because Scotty would win the sixth man of the year if that's where they leave. Hey, no let's, let's go back to football. Uh, this does relate to Raquan Evans in that he's a senior and he's a leader, even though we might not perceive him that way. Talk about MJ and Turk as guys who've been around. Raquan's been in the program two years, but he's a senior and, and, and a leader by by that uh, role. Well, these these 
going back to football, these guys at Florida State brought in, they may be new to the program, but they're not new to college football. And so they, in their own right, can be leaders as they, uh, you know, immerse themselves in the Florida State program. You know, in prior uh, regimes on the football side, particularly thinking of Jimbo, he would not let freshmen talk to the media, period, the end. Uh, Norvell has, has maybe even by default had to take the opposite approach because it's freshmen, they're getting the play in time. But there's a huge difference between talking to an 18-year-old and talking to a 22-year-old. And especially if the last four years, that 22-year-old has been used to talking to the media. And that freshman, that 18-year-old, this is his first go-round with it. I've been very impressed with the way these, uh, I use an old man term, the way these uh, veteran transfers have comported themselves. You like that old word there, Tommy? And uh, it's in stark contrast because we get so used to the freshmen and not saying they're bad. I'm just saying they're, they're young. And then you get someone that's articulate and well thought. And you can actually ask a two or three part question and they'll remember what the second or third part is. You don't have to repeat it. Uh, again, I'm picking on the freshmen. That was meant to be a gig uh, and not uh, serious. But it, it's just interesting to see the dynamics. And I really believe, as we talked about with Bob, that, that that older player, that transfer, particularly this time of year when you have no games and you're not on the field, you're not competing in quote-unquote football things, it's football-related, that you're going to see that maturity help this squad overall. At least that's the hope. I'll give you an example, and this came from Mackenzie Milton last week when he met the media. And now, granted, he's a quarterback, and he was pretty high-profile given when he was starring at UCF. But the question was asked, and it was actually from Pat Burnham from the Osceola, who we have on here, and it was not meant as a trap question. It was a simple looking for more information question. What other schools did it come down to before he decided on Florida State? Something in that vein. And as he asked it, I thought, well, I wonder if McKenzie's really going to go there or not. And so he was, he was diplomatic, and he said, uh, you know, there were a few schools uh, that I considered – but I'm not going to mention specifically who they are because I don't want them to feel less relevant or less significant. Florida state was the best place for me. And that's, that was the decision I made. Now I'm paraphrasing both the question and the answer, but that was the general tenure. And that is an older and in McKenzie's case, he's older than 22, but that's a mature response was not intended to be a trap question, but could have been perceived that way. If it came out that I chose FSU over school, a school B school C and school D. The thing that really, really, um, jumped out at me about that is, although I'm sure they had um, quote unquote shaken hands or fist bumped during the three times that uh, Milton at UCF played at Memphis, but he had never, he had only met coach Norvell. He had never had a face-to-face conversation with him prior to arriving at Florida state (laughs) to enroll in school. Wow. Welcome to 2020-2021. Keith, other than Zoom, you and I may never see each other face-to-face again. Maybe that's for the better. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to plead the fifth on that one, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, we'll be back next week. Uh, have a great week. He's Keith. I'm Tom, and this is Front Row Knowles. Control.